Hi, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us this Priyanka, morning. Wait. Priyanka, wait. Oh, oh sorry. Priyanka, are you on mute? Nope, I'm on. Okay. So, hi everyone. Thank you so much for joining the uh, Cybersecurity Career Talks. Uh, today, I have three experts uh, who are going, and we are going to be focused on IT audit career track. These experts have joined me. Uh, because they have one thing in common, and that is that they have uh, worked on in in they they have worked in different uh, roles and have transitioned to an IT audit career. Uh, Priyanka, can you take the disclaimer? Yes. Right. So uh, we are all here in a voluntary capacity to uh, pay it forward in terms of the profession that we're in and uh, uh, the profession that we feel passionate about. So the views being expressed here is uh, solely our own personal views and opinions. So, uh, you know, we, we, we are in no way representing the companies or the employers that we work for. And uh, just reiterating, it's a volunteer-led uh, volunteer effort to contribute to the profession. So again, uh, these are our personal opinions. Thank you so much, Priyanka. And uh, I'll just uh, introduce you. So the first person, uh, so uh, we have Alyssa Verdon on our call. And unfortunately, she's going to join us through audio because there's some technical difficulties. And uh, Alisa is uh, an, had, had started off in, as in uh, a general accountant, and then she transitioned into public accounting for two years and is now, uh, and, uh, is now an IT audit analyst. Uh, she has a, a CPA, she's a licensed CPA, as well as an MBA from uh, Montclair State University. And uh, the second, second expert on our call today is Nita Altaramani, and uh, she has a wealth of experience in information security and technology, and she is considered an expert in the IAM, which is Identity and Access Management and RPA governance fields. Uh, she holds a lot of certifications. She's a lifelong, lifelong learner and a lifelong giver of uh, uh, so she freely gives, she writes a lot, and uh, she is a very avid reader. She has over 8,000 books in her library. You'll just uh, see that shortly. And uh, I'm really honored to know her. Uh, let's go. So the third speaker is uh, Priyanka de, de Ebru, and she is a senior manage, uh, manager of technology audit at Verizon. Uh, she too has a, an MBA and uh, she has uh, various certifications like CPA, CIA, CISA, and she's currently studying for the CISSP. And thank you everyone for joining. So today what, they are going to, what we are going to do is we are focused on an IT audit career track. 
the experts with me today are going to provide a strategic roadmap which is going to help you uh, plan your career, uh, so to say, or see what a career in IT audit would look like in addition to uh, providing you with actionable tips that you can use right away. And uh, <laughs> I'm Nilofa Tamboli and uh, I uh, lead this effort. This is a volunteer-led effort for creating, uh, uh, providing uh, a roadmap or actionable tips to people who are trying to transition into a cybersecurity career. In a cybersecurity career, we have like various roles and various uh, paths that uh, are considered uh, cybersecurity. And this is an effort to provide more clarity. So, so the agenda for today is an audit overview, like what types of audits are there, what type of job requirements are there, and then an IT audit career path, what, what education is required, what experience is required, what do you need, like what are certain uh, uh, certifications which are nice to have, or uh, do we really require something, what kind of training is needed, and then tips for uh, newcomers to the field. So I will uh, ask uh, Priyanka and Alisa to speak about this, uh, what an IT audit is and... Uh... Sure, I can... Um, go, go ahead, Alisa. So um, the main difference between an internal and an external audit, um, from the internal audit side, we're part of the organization and we report to the audit committee and the board and we help develop um, risk areas and test um, internally to make sure that they're functioning properly, where on the external, you're independent of the organization and you're typically providing an opinion on their financial statements and their um, different systems and um, controls that they have in place. Now, for the ad audit categories, there's financial, operation, and technical, which would be IT. Um, on the op finance side, you're, you're checking to ensure that their financial statements are um, accurate and complete. Operations usually focuses on the effectiveness and um, efficiency of the operations. And then the IT side will get into more of the technical um, controls for their different IT and systems that are used. Uh, Priyanka, do you want to add anything? Priyanka, I think you're on mute. Thank you. Um, so getting into the specifics of uh, what is entailed in an IT audit. So think of IT auditing as an assessment of the, the systems and the information technology uh, environment of an organization. And that could, that could involve looking at security policies, um, policies around um, operations uh, of technology within that, within that organization. And also very importantly, looking at how these uh, how the, how the technical controls around these systems support the business objectives of the organization. So, uh, you know, no application or system can be considered a standalone. Uh, you know, or think, think of each system as supporting some business process or business cycle within an organization. So when you're trying to tie risk, you, you, you have to be able to tie a technology risk to an overall business risk or a risk of uh, a company not achieving its goals because of because of uh, that technology risk. Um, so uh, 
you know, uh, going back to the differentiation between external auditors and internal auditors. So an external auditor from a technology perspective might uh, focus more on uh, the systems that uh, that have a direct financial impact. So any system that perhaps, uh, um, you know, flows into financial reporting or accounting um, or uh, revenue recognition, for instance. So those systems would be most relevant from an external financial reporting standpoint. Whereas when you're looking at internal audit, uh, we would perhaps focus on uh, you know those systems as well, the ones that have an impact on financial reporting, but we would also consider operational impacts of uh, of system controls. Wow. So um, go ahead, Nilofar. No. So are you going to talk about like? Uh, uh, and and what else do you have to add? Like, how do you become an IT auditor, or what, what does this uh, IT audit job entail? Sure. So uh, we we have a, a slide coming up on the career trajectory of an IT auditor. You know, how do you get into this field? So um, I'll leave that piece for that slide. But in terms of um, you know, what does a job entail? So think of it as um, you know, I, I always tell uh, folks who are coming in uh, to the team that. It's not, uh, don't think of technology audit as, as rocket science. Uh, yes, you need to have a certain um, acumen. You need to have some knowledge and education in the technology area, uh, but it is a disciplined approach. And uh, if you follow uh, a disciplined approach, methodology and process in terms of conducting audits, and you use your, um, you know, the knowledge that you have, the uh, experience that you've gathered, uh, that that's you know really the most important element to it, and also um, uh, later on, we, you know, we're going to be addressing the human element. So, which is really like you know, how do you negotiate? How do you uh, um, you know how, how do you establish connections with the folks within the organization that you're dealing with? You know, so as you're working with uh, system owners in terms of conducting audits, um, uh, what is you know what? How do you put your best best foot forward? So. So a lot of you know a lot of the aspects that go into um, an audit job or an IT audit job are are aspects that that would make you successful in a lot of different areas and fields, not just an audit. Thank you so much. And now I'm going to request Nita to uh, talk about and explain like about the security and uh, compliance field in a nutshell, but. Uh, more about like how all IT audit touches all these different uh, areas of operation. Thanks, Nilofar. Um, I'll build on what Priyanka um, talked about in terms of you know what is an IT audit and what that entails. And essentially, you're looking at systems. You're looking at controls within those systems that have been put in place to mitigate risk. And the IT audit uh, basically encompasses uh, the security space, the compliance space. And um, these are all things that anybody who is familiar with security and compliance probably knows and understands that security uh, usually entails talking about confidentiality, integrity, availability, extend that to authentication and authorization. And then you have compliance with various industry uh, regulations, uh, policies, standards, frameworks. And then you have your what, what exactly do those things touch? And it, Pretty much everything revolves around people, process, and technology. And then what are you trying to protect? And that's essentially your operations, your network, and your data. And an IT audit generally will touch on different aspects of 
any or all of these um, domains. And I think that's the important part to understand is when an IT audit is defined, and we're going to talk about you know what exactly goes into an audit and what's the life cycle, et cetera. One of those things talks about the scope of an IT audit. So that will define which of these areas uh, is, is touched in an IT audit. And oftentimes you will find that even when you have a, a, an audit which is not IT, it will touch on some aspects of IT because today IT has become pervasive as a way of doing business. So it becomes very important to have that technical knowledge so that uh, the audits are complete and we do not leave any gaps in the assessment that essentially what audits are for. They help us understand where there are weaknesses or gaps or overlaps uh, within the systems, within our processes, so that those can be addressed to make the security posture for the organization uh, more, uh, more strong and secure. Thank you so much. I think so that's much. in a nutshell of what, uh, how IT audit kind of sits in the middle and can touch all these different areas. Wow. So, okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. This is uh, really good because uh, it seems like IT audit touches almost uh, every uh, aspect of your business and every uh, uh, like technology as well, right? Yes, because uh, today, I mean, it's very hard to envision people doing business without technology, right? The use mm -hmm. of technology has become so widespread that invariably when you're doing any audit, you uh, end up in a situation where you uh, will touch technology and, and then mm -hmm. information security risk translates into a business risk because if you don't address that, it inherently mm -hmm. makes your business processes weaker. I think we'll talk so about true. that more when uh, in our next slides, talking about you know IT audit. What do you do actually? And I think that's the next slide coming up. Okay, and I am going to ask uh, Priyanka and Alisa sure. to take this and uh, chime in about what a life of an IT auditor looks like. So what is what do they do and uh, how, 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 how is it conducted, et cetera? Because that provides the people who are on just now, our viewers, as well as people, somebody who's like trying to transition to understand what it, uh, what the work will look like. So take it away, Priyanka, thank you. Yeah, so I can, I can uh, start off. So, um, uh, you know, connecting back to what Nilofar said that, you know, technology touches every part of a business process or, uh, every, you know, uh, in terms of objectives and processes of an organization, and also tying back to what Nita said that, um, you know, the, the, the differentiation between a financial and, and an IT auditor um, is, is sort of blurring a little bit because of that very factor that uh, a lot of the processes are supported and driven by technology. Um, you, know, in, in, you know, up until 30, 40 years ago, you might have been uh, writing journal vouchers on a piece of paper with a pen, but you know, just thinking, you know, thinking of the financial reporting cycle and the accounting cycle, right? All, all of those things are handled in the system. All your journal entries are in the system, right? So, um, to you know, just emphasizing the fact that even if you're a financial auditor, um, developing some acumen in the technology space is going to help you. So. Um, you know, in, in fact, what you see on the screen is is really uh, audit life cycle that applies to, you know, a, an operational auditor, IT auditor, and financial auditor. There are more, you know, the, you know, in terms of obtaining evidence, you'd perhaps uh, want more system uh, oriented evidence or 
uh, more technical configuration uh, evidence and, and screenshots when you're an IT auditor. But, but for the most part, this slide does apply to all types of auditors. And um, Alyssa, can I, can I turn it over to you to go over um, the details and some of you know, the key, key facts on this slide? Sure. So the audit lifecycle really starts when you have, you know, you develop your audit plan and how often um, you're going to be auditing a specific process or a system. And then when you get into the details, you define your scope, which is really, you know, what you're focusing on in that particular audit and getting more um, down into the detail of the specifics. Um, and then you begin your audit um, initiation, which involves getting um, the particular people who might be impacted by the audit involved just to kind of keep them in line with here's where we're going with the audit and here's what the focus is going to be and here's who may be impacted by what we do or do not find. And then you move into the field work phase, which is where you're actually testing the controls and getting into the nitty gritty of, um, you know, here's the process that's supposed to be in place, identifying if, if it's effective or if there's um, controls that are missing to mitigate risks um, which you would move into your gap analysis, which is really looking at this is what we identified as missing and, and how big is that impact going to be and what issues are going to um, arise if that isn't corrected. And you get the business involved and um, bring in the people who are going to be able to put a process in place to close that gap. Um, when you've identified that and worked through it, you issue your report, you move into the business will move into the mitigation phase where they're implementing those processes to get the corrective action to close that gap. And when everything is resolved, that would be, you know, the audit close wrap up. Everything has been mitigated that you identified as a, a control gap. Okay. Thank you so much, Alisa and uh, Priyanka. Yeah. So talking about, uh, um, you know, actually, uh, Nilofar, can you just switch back to the previous slide real okay, quick? Sure, so, sure. you know, the different roles within an audit organization or team. So uh, what I found is that the roles vary greatly uh, depending on the size of the organization and the size of the audit team. So I, in my career, I've been uh, in an internal audit team of a total of 11 individuals. So, mm -hmm. way, you know, way back um, when I when I made the transition from public accounting to internal audit, I joined a very small uh, internal audit group. Um, and uh, so the, the, the director of audit was the chief audit executive. And, um, and you know, other than that, it was a pretty flat organization. Whereas, uh, you know, in a larger organization uh, where you're talking about, uh, you know, publicly traded, um, where uh, the audit group is, is functionally reporting to the board and the audit committee, uh, there uh, you might have more layers and more formal roles and responsibilities. Uh, there'll be, you know, clear demarcations between an IT auditor and a financial auditor, for instance. Um, and, and, you know, you, you'll, you'll have a more nested, more structured um, um, organizational layout. Okay. Thank you so much for adding that. And uh, now I think I'm going to pull in Alyssa. And uh, Alyssa, tell us how to become an IT auditor. I'm asking you and I'm putting you on a spot maybe because you have recently transitioned from a general accountant type of role to an uh, financial and operational audit and then from there to an IT auditor. 
and just just like in addition to like what is mentioned on the slide just like walk us through uh, what it is and uh, how somebody can successfully transition sure so um, I think having the educational um, background in IT or computer science would obviously be more helpful for a specific IT auditor because you get more of the terminology and the specifics and the technical um, part of it. But for me personally, I had a bachelor's degree in accounting. Um, I did a minor in computer information systems. And then when I went to grad school, I found that I enjoyed information technology. So I focused on that a little bit more in grad school. Um, so I think just having um, some education either in IT or computer science or the accounting side so you can have the um, audit experience is beneficial. And then as for experience, um, personally, I had uh, audit experience. I think audit across the board, whether it's financial, operational, or IT, um, the experience is beneficial to becoming an IT auditor because you have the general idea of how an audit runs from start to finish, and you can experience, you know, identifying controls and risks and working on how to test those different areas. And as far as the certification, uh, I have a CPA license, which again is helpful just for the audit factor to kind of learn the specifics of what's entailed in an audit, what the terminology is. The terminology will be um, standard across the audits for, you know, the identifying controls and more technical terms like that. Um, but I think a CISA would be beneficial for an IT auditor, something that I've considered myself um, looking to study because it does get more in depth into what is actually involved in an IT audit and more of the information system controls that you wouldn't necessarily see in either the CPA or the CIA exam. And uh, we have a whole slide dedicated to this later in this uh, talk, but uh, my question to you is, uh, why did you decide to transition uh, into an IT audit role rather than, you know, stay within like your uh, uh, area of comfort? Like what was that uh, which said, oh, let me flex this muscle, let me get out and be more uncomfortable. But like, you know, uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, definitely. So, um, you know, I've studied accounting and that was always kind of where I saw my career going. But over time, I started losing interest in it more and seeing how much the IT world um, was really taking over everything. It's become such a relevant and important part of every process that we see in every industry that we see in every business process. You know, IT is really what's driving a lot of these processes. So for me, it was more of um, an interest to see you know, what this has, what impact this has had on the world and the business. So I thought, you know, I liked IT in school and I figured, you know, combine my audit and financial background with the new and coming, you know, way of life of IT. And I combined those two passions and it led me to find a job as an IT auditor. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh... Yes, it, it is a difficult, uh, uh, did you find it difficult like to transition or you put in the hard work to like do it and uh, uh, how, how uh, I mean, what are the things, what advice would you give people who is somebody who is like in an operational audit role or maybe a PCI assessor or something to uh, transition into an IT audit role? I think it would be just ask a lot of questions, you know, for, for people in the field to see if it's something that you would be interested in. I think having an interest in general in information technology um, 
you know, if you have a passion for it, you can learn it and you can find your way around. Um, when you get in there, there's a lot of on the job training and using your um, colleagues as mentors when you get in. Um, but I would say it's um, challenging if you don't know the language of information technology, but the skill set that you have on the operational side or the finance side, you know, you can learn how to apply it in the new field of information technology once you learn the more specific terminology and um, kind of shifting your focus away from that financial or operational to focusing on the systems and the way the systems are impacting the process. Sure, sure. Thank you. So, so there are a lot of transferable skills between uh, IT audit, uh, between like your operational financial and IT audits, right? I think, yeah, the basic, you know, the audit skills and what you learn um, as an auditor can be transferred across the board. Um, just learning those more technical um, IT specific, you know, computer network, etc. dialogue and the terminology and how that all works is the more challenging piece. But I think, you know, at the heart of it, the skills that you have as an operational or financial auditor can be transferred across. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, now we come to the education and the experience and what is required. And um, Priyanka, can you walk us through this? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, in, in terms of the education environment, uh, educational requirement, right? Uh, um, and, and I'll give a perspective from, uh, you know, a hiring manager here. So, uh, you know, for a technical role such as this, you, you know, one would want to see something on the resume that to indicate uh, that, that uh, you have been able to accomplish uh, educationally. Uh, so, for, for instance, if you have a major um, in your undergrad and in a technical field, it could be engineering, it could be uh, MIS, um, or, or even a minor in computer science shows uh, some level of uh, uh, success that, you know, you have pursued that formal education and you have achieved something with it, whether it be a major or minor. Um, you know, nice to have is, uh, you, you know, I, I've, I've, it's, that's a tough one because I've seen folks with, with, you know, many different variations being successful at the roles. I've seen computer engineers being successful. And I've also seen folks who had an accounting degree and, and, had some, you know, some element of, uh, um, you know, they pursued a CISA, for instance, right, to some, uh, to, to self-study, to learn, you know, that, that also shows some level of motivation, um, you know, in terms of somebody who might not have a formal uh, in, uh, information systems uh, education, but just having a certification shows that you were working full-time and you have the motivation to pursue and learn uh, along, along with working. Um, you know, in terms of not having audit experience, I would say it depends, right? There are some, you know, and, and this applies especially with larger organizations, so a larger audit team, where there could be pockets of specialization. So, for, for instance, um, you know, I've seen this in the data analytics space a lot, is that for a data analytics auditor, it, it's perhaps, you know, uh, more more importance is given to you know if you're a data scientist and you're really good at what you do, and and then the assumption being will bring you in and will help you develop your audit skills. And similarly in the IT space, right? Uh, so say we want somebody who specializes in network technology, like say for example in a telecom environment. 
So you could come in as an engineer who has experience in telecom. Uh, you might not have any finance or audit background, but again, the assumption is that your experience with the technical aspects kind of is more important to us than your lack of the audit experience. Again, with the assumption that you would come in and you would de develop your audit skills over time. Um, and then uh, the last question, you know, what what would stand out in a resume for an IT audit job? Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to sound cookie cutter because, you know, we're all humans. We're all different from each other. We, you know, the path to success can be many, right? Uh, success criteria can be many, but I would say certifications definitely stand out. You know, if you have a CISA or a CISSP, for instance, it shows that, that, again, you have the motivation, you pursued it. It shows that you accomplished it. That means at least you've studied for and have objectively passed an exam that tested your uh, your knowledge in that field, right? Um, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think that's about it. Nina, was there anything else? No. Uh, and uh, one thing which is not over here is like uh, what to never put on your resume. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I mean it would turn you off totally and it's okay, I'm done with this. Because I know you get like uh, probably like thousands of resume you've reviewed and you've like uh, during your uh, career. And uh, so so what is something which uh, um, would definitely like uh, not, has no place on the resume and should not be mentioned? Um, I would say, um, you know, I, I I think I'm in a lucky spot where, uh, you know, our, our recruiters screen a lot of the resumes for us, you know, as hiring managers. So I do see like a much smaller sub subset of the total population of applicants, you know. But um, I would say if, if I'm reading through a resume that looks like a lot of technical jargon has been thrown in there without appropriate context, it, it just, it, it, it you know, it's, and again, I'm not trying to say that I would necessarily reject the resume. What I'm saying is that it doesn't it doesn't come across as genuine, because uh, right? Because at, at the end of the day, you know, yes, you you know, you, you, it's a given that that you have some technical background, but but you kind of have to put it in context of uh, as to what you were trying to accomplish. What were you what, what were you auditing? What business objective were you addressing through that uh, IT audit, for instance? Right. So. Um, so I think some people, um, you know, or some applicants, just my advice to you would be um, balance it out. Balance out the technical uh, terminology with, you know, with with language that explains, uh, you know, your strength as, a, as an auditor and, and how you understand the business as well. Sure. Thank you so much. Because I'll, uh, I'll just chime in here, Nilofu, if you don't mind. Uh, when you ask the question of what you shouldn't put on your resume, I would definitely say the one big no-no is don't put something on your resume that you have not done, right? Just to make it a better fit or pass the ATS or to get your resume in front of the recruiter. Mm -hmm. Don't put stuff on there because you think, oh, if I don't have this, you know, my resume is not going to pass you know, whatever, the recruiter or, or the ATS or the algorithm. Um, if you don't know something, it is okay. You don't have to have a 100% fit for a particular job to, in order to apply for it. And that's, uh, you know, something which a lot of people don't realize. Uh, but if you put something on your resume, then the expectation is that 
you know, it's like introducing mm -hmm. evidence in a trial, right? If you talk about it, <laughs> then you can be cross-examined on it. So don't mm -hmm. talk about things that uh, you have not done. It is okay to to say that, well, this I haven't done this or I haven't worked with this particular product or I'm, I don't have this experience, but I'm interested. I think what one of the things that helps a, a resume stand out is showing that progression of learning, right? The fact that somebody is willing to put in the time and effort to learn that they have been doing things which are uh, aimed towards helping that person go for the job that they are wanting, right? So let's say if your degree is not in computer science or information systems and you want to get into IT audit, you can show, you don't have to have a formal uh, uh, education in it, you can show that you've been taking courses, right, whether online or through, you know, evening classes, weekend classes, whatever. But if you can show or demonstrate that, you know, you have been uh, including or, you know, you've been uh, ramping up your educational, your technical education, that you're familiar with those concepts, uh, that helps, right? That shows that there is a drive to learn. There's, there is a willingness to put in the time and effort for what you're trying to achieve. And I think those things uh, count for a lot. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, you may not have everything that the job entails, but if you can demonstrate that you have, you're working towards it, that goes a long way in, in making that a candidate, um, you know, an attractive candidate. Because like Priyanka said, everything can be learned, right? And uh, I would also say that there are things that people kind of self-edit out saying that, oh, well, you know, my mainframe experience from 20 years ago, nobody's going to be interested in that. You never know. There, there might be that, you know, that particular organization has still has a lot of mainframe systems out there or, you know, that one AS400 system is still sitting out there and they look for somebody, you know. So that one thing that you might have actually might make you stand out. So you, ne you don't know. Uh, but that also doesn't mean that, you know, you fill your resume with everything. But if there are things that you have done, you may not think it's relevant, but it might be something that you should at least mention it somewhere so that if somebody, it catches somebody's eye, it can help. But please do not put things on your resume that you have not done or you can't speak to uh, because that's one of the biggest put off, right? Even if everything else is good, even if I like talking to you, if I find the things that are on your resume and you can't explain or can't talk to it, uh, that becomes a red flag. Thank you, thank you. Because what I have seen recently is all these online services and there are like a bunch of people who like create a resume for you which will pass the ATS, et cetera. And they do what is like known in the marketing as like keyword stuffing basically right. to get as much as possible. And then one is like a universal thing which is like never um, embellish your uh, resume. And I have a call, I have a question from uh, Deepa Lakshmi, and she is asking, what is the growth in this field? Huge, huge. Um, like we said at the at the start, um, technology has become so widely used and pervasive in business that the need for auditors in general and IT auditors in particular um, is is uh, growing exponentially, right? I don't think we can keep up with the demand that's out there. And that's generally in the information security space, but I think also in the audit space, uh, the need for uh, auditors with a technical background or IT auditors uh, is big. Um, I believe there were 
like about 20% of the jobs were still going vacant and it's only expected that that um, industry is going to grow so thank you thanks and and one thing i've noticed is that you could go to any like uh, big company and they will most probably have like a role for an auditor which they are <laughs> hiring for yeah and we can talk about that when we come to the career path slide and sure, sure, yeah okay now we are going to talk about certifications right so all of us um, except for i think uh, neeta because neeta is like a go to person for the um, iam space the rpa governance space and uh, the um, the machine learning etc she has focused on that so she has um, all of all all three of us um, priyanka alisa and me we have a cpa and i just wanted to make sure that people know that a cpa is not required um, for an it audit role uh we got it because uh, for for different reasons but uh, i just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that it's not like otherwise because it puts off a lot of people uh, who think that oh these people are there but they have a cpa and i don't have a cpa etc but uh, what all of us over here have is a uh, lifelong learning experience like we take these examinations but now coming back to what is required right so audit certifications like cisa is is huge because it is a very widely ex uh, uh, widely expected and a wide wide uh, requirement kind of thing for most uh, aud it audit roles mm -hmm. then um, then this uh, cyber security audit certificate program which is uh, created by are you talking about the sans or we are talking about like the csx no, which is The cybersecurity audit program is from ISACA. It's a it's an auxiliary to the C the CISA, and uh, it focuses a lot on the emerging technologies and how to audit in that space. So it talks about mobile security, wireless. Uh, talks a little bit about uh, cloud and AI ML in that space. So it's uh, it's an add on or an adjunct. It's a it's a relatively new program that they launched in 2019. Uh, and it's it's more of a, this would fall in the category of a nice to have but if somebody is looking to transition into the IT audit space i think the the most critical certification they should opt for is the CISA i think that's something that people look for um in an IT auditor uh, having any of the other information security or some of the technical security certifications uh can work in lieu of that but the CISA kind of is a combination of you know having the audit background and the technical background so in an IT auditor uh, that's probably the number one um certification that I would uh, you know target and the good thing about the CISA is that uh, you can actually pass the CISA exam you need 5 years of experience and you can use some wave some of that off in in terms of you know combination of your education and experience but not all of it so you can actually pass your exam and then uh wait for you know uh get the appropriate experience and then get the certification but as long as you pass the cisa exam and you can you know note that in your resume uh and that helps the recruiter or the hiring manager know or understand that you know like i said previously that you are working towards that you're committed to uh this career and that you know you're you've put in the time and effort or you have that basic understanding of some of the top terminology and some of the you know the life cycle and understanding of you know how the process works so i think that's key i i do want to point out you know i i know that uh, the cpa is not required for uh, it audit but i would point out that if 
one is wanting to go higher up the chain in um, in internal audit, uh, especially once you get past the senior manager role. Um, if you're trying to go for director, VP, SVP, head of internal audit, a CPA does help tremendously at that stage because uh, at that those kind of positions, you are not looking at just IT audits, right? You're also encompassing uh, financial and operational audits. So. Uh, from a long-term perspective, that's probably a good um, certification to hold, uh, but obviously not required for somebody looking to transition into the IT audit space. Sure, sure, very valuable. Uh, one of the things that I found very useful was the certified internal auditor, the CIA, because that provided me with a very, very uh, thorough background on what and why of the audit why are we doing what we are doing, et cetera. So it, it was like a real, um, like you can say, like a class as if like, you know, where if somebody is like really interested in this career, uh, a CIA, I think is uh, really tells you like why we are doing what we are doing. And then the CISA is great for, like you said, for the IT audit role, because that goes deep into the uh, systems uh, audit. And um, thank you so much about like the, CPA, I got that exact, what you said, I got like that exact same um, advice where somebody said, hey, yeah, you're great in this, but if you want to climb further, if you don't have a CISA, uh, CPA, probably you're not going to, which is not true, right? Like, I mean, but but uh, that, is, uh, that is a very sound advice. And uh, it just tells people that, you know, if you really are interested in a career path and like uh, into moving up, uh, then that is uh, something which is very required. Uh, I think so that that is also changing, right? Because uh, a lot of the audit, what we know of and what we, uh, how we operate in the audit space really comes from the financial industry, right? A lot of the audit uh, functions, the life cycle and, our, and the requirements, right? A lot of the uh, regulations, et cetera, originate from the financial space. So that has been the traditional part. You're right. I mean, it's not an absolute requirement. Like it's not that if you don't have a CPA, you cannot become head of internal audit, for example. But it, it's something that has traditionally been looked at either that or in lieu of that, an MBA, you know, uh, some sort of an advanced degree becomes more important at the much higher uh, levels, uh, but not obviously necessary for once you're getting into, you know, once you're transitioning into that field. Sure, uh, sure, so. sure. So, um, Again, this uh, uh, certified uh, government auditing professional, the CGAP, uh, is this, uh, I think it is like the, by the IIA, right? Like it is for uh, gas, like the generally accepted, uh, the governmental auditing uh, roles. Right, right? But, yeah, this is more to comply with some of the, um, the federal government or the government regulations of, um, you know, around financial auditing but it is something that becomes, uh, they, they look for, they feel more comfortable with somebody having that if you are digging around government records and government accounts, uh, sure. because they, they do have certain other requirements and, and certain other uh, standards and regulations that you have to comply with and how those audits are both conducted and how you respond to them. Sure, sure. And what I see missing over here, and, and even if you are trying to, uh, issue like a SOC report or a, right, a sign off on any of that, uh, trying to conduct like a SOC audit, which is your standards on compliance, right. uh, which is like an AICPA standard. And if you're trying to do that, the person who can only sign off has to be a CPA. So 
that yeah. adds value, right? If you have that, then it's going to add value to that organization that you join. And, yeah, and that goes. Yeah, that goes back to the different roles within an audit team, right? So, an audit team is not comprised of just auditors, right? So, you have IT auditors, you have the business domain specific auditors, you have data analysts, you have people who issue the reports, the people who are responsible for signing off on those reports, and those are usually, um, you know, uh, some of those roles of the people who can issue the report, the people who can sign off on those reports or attest to those. Uh, there are different levels within the within the hierarchy or the management of the organization, the audit organization, and there are different roles within the um, within the audit team. So an audit team doesn't just comprise of just auditors, right? So there are auditors, there are data analysts, there are reporters, there are scribes. There are, there are many different roles uh, within that. So yeah, I mean, the, somebody who needs to sign off on, uh, especially uh, you know, some of the big accounting firms that deal with um, things like you know issuing the SOC two reports or the SOCs uh, you know the reports that the 10K report that goes for the SEC filing for example uh, there there is a certain requirement of who can do that at what level must you be because it comes with certain um, ramifications and some accountability and responsibility so it, you know just no it, it can't be just anybody signing off on those reports right so uh, there are certain uh, protocols in place as to how who and how that can be done. Sure, thank you. Uh, one certification which is not uh, very, um, I mean, uh, very common is the uh, ISO 27000, the ISMS uh, 27001 uh, lead auditor certificate, which is more um, because it's like an ISO standard and it is more, maybe it's more common I've seen uh, outside of the US. Or uh, can you speak a little bit to that, Nico, if you can? Yes, I mean, if, if you notice that at the bottom, you, you'll see that um, for an IT auditor, and I think other auditors as well, not just IT audit, but IT auditors as well, uh, knowledge and uh, understanding of some of the regulations and standards that come into play, depending on the nature of the uh, business, the, the scale of the business, the size of the business, the industry that they are in, certain regulations and standards become important and they, they have to know and be aware of those things, uh, certain frameworks, uh, because a lot of the internal compliances or sometimes when you are doing um, supply chain uh, risk assessments or you have to respond to audits where your customer wants to perform an, an audit to ensure that your security posture is correct because those also happen. Uh, you are then expected to comply with some of the cybersecurity frameworks and that's where you know things like NIST and ISO 27001, uh, those kind of things become important. And uh, yes, there are specific certifications that you can get, which uh, you know, which are a little more niche in the sense that you can always specialize in. Uh, that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, ISO 27001 certified auditor, which means I know that particular framework well enough that I can say if your systems are compliant or not compliant with that particular framework. Right. There are people who um, are specializing in things like being a SOX auditor or being a PCI, DSS auditor, right? So, um, sure. and now, of course, you know, we also have uh, data privacy being such a big issue. Uh, you know, it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal with uh, more countries and more states in the U.S. coming out with their own uh, data privacy standards and regulations. So uh, the information privacy professional certification becomes, uh, you know, is becoming more important because you have to understand, and uh, part of that is also where you understand that and come up with 
um, you know, how are you compliant or not? So you have to obviously understand those standards to be able to understand, you know, where where there might be potential gaps or whether controls are not sufficient. Wow, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, Priyanka and Alisa, you, you guys want to add anything to this? No, I think that was a really good, that was a comprehensive coverage of all certifications. I personally learned a lot in the last five minutes. Well, thank I you so agree. Much. <laughs> And there is a question before we like get uh, get into this. Um, so, so uh, Deepa is again asking that uh, are there any programmers moving into uh, as uh, IT auditors? So, what her question is for all the people who are in IT who are in developing, right? Mm -hmm. Has anybody uh, transitioned? And I can personally say yes. There are a lot of people who transition into IT audit. But I would like uh, um, the three of you to chime in. I'll, I'll sure, so jump in uh, if you don't mind, Priyanka, and then uh, I'll, I'll hang it over. Yeah, go ahead, Nita. Uh, since ahead. my career track has been from IT into uh, information security and more specifically, uh, you know, risk and governance and audit. Uh, yes, the answer is absolutely yes. It happens all the time. And uh, typically, what happens is that if you are if you are a developer, uh, DBA, um, you know, you are a, a wholly software engineering, computer science major working in programming. Um, you will come across audit where you are asked to demonstrate compliance, right? Or you're asked for evidence, and that that will probably be the first time where you get an interaction with an audit or with an auditor. And usually um, you will, you know, if you are lucky or not lucky in some cases, depending on how you look at it, uh, you usually get tagged to be the liaison with the internal audit or with information security um, to work on audits on an ongoing basis. And they're usually in an organization, they are, you know, depending again on the size and the scale in the industry, uh, there are often multiple audits that are going on at, at the same time. So you will find that you're often responding to audits, re responding to requests for information or for data, et cetera. And uh, it is, it's an opportunity for, if, you're, if this is something you're interested in, it's an opportunity for you to uh, get to know more about, you know, what exactly, you know, how is an audit done? You know, how, what exactly does that entail? And uh, it's, it's actually a great opportunity to say, hey, to volunteer, because believe me, in most cases, nobody wants to get into audit. Right, especially if you're if you're not the auditor, right? If you're the auditee, people tend to run away. Um, but uh, it's a it's an excellent opportunity for you to actually uh, step in and understand, um, you know, what is being asked for, what are they trying to do, understand and learn how, um, you know, what audit is going on. Try to understand a little bit more about that. And that's usually the part that I have seen is that people kind of get pulled into an audit, they become, you know, they become responsible for it, and then they kind of develop this relationship with the auditor. They get a, gain a better understanding of what the audit is, what is required, and uh, from there, it's something that piques their interest. They want to learn more, um, and then they start kind of moving towards. You know, they become the point of contact, then they become responsible for certain parts of the audit. And it, it, it's usually a, a migration that way. And, and in many cases, like Priyanka mentioned earlier, that uh, sometimes the audit department is looking for particular skill sets because there are 
uh, areas that they are trying to expand or enhance. So for example, we want to make sure that we have the necessary skill sets to do network audits, right? Or we are looking for somebody who can help uh, bolster uh, you know, cloud audits, right, or, or audits related to um, migration to the cloud or adoption of cloud technology or RPA. And in those cases, you look for somebody who has that technical background. And then, you know, you can always come in and if you have the mindset or if you are interested, the other things can always be learned, right? So it's not like, you know, these are all learned skills. These are not things that, you know, you inherently know. It's not an inherent attribute. These are all things that you can learn. So that, so that also happens. So if you're interested and you are in IT and you're doing a software development job, um, you know, look for or talk to your in, internal audit department to say, you know, uh, what areas are you looking for? And, you know, does the skill sets that I have, you know, is that something that can help and what else do I need to do? So, yeah, I mean, that's a long way to say that, yes, absolutely happens. And uh, I think Priyanka, you can probably, you know, answer this better because I know for sure in Verizon there have been several cases of people who yeah. have migrated over from IT to internal audit. Yeah, definitely. I think from an internal standpoint, it it um, there are definitely more paths internally. Like you know, if you're moving from one department to another within an organization, okay. because uh, there is there is a context of uh, your accomplishments within that company, right? So you're you know, so say you have mentors within that company or your 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 direct supervisor or director, uh, they uh, they are willing to stand behind you in terms of recommending you. Uh, that switch becomes easier because you know think about it, right? If if as a hiring manager, if uh, an applicant comes to you recommended very strongly by their um, by their leaders, um, you you place a lot more emphasis on that you know on that on that person's candidacy over another who doesn't come recommended so that 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 becomes important yeah i mean you're a known quantity right so that that makes mm -hmm. it a huge thing because um anytime you are hiring somebody from outside that you know there is always a risk associated with you know are you are mm -hmm. you know is this person going to be a good fit you know is uh, so i mean you try to kind of take all of that into consideration and, and you know wet all of that in the interviewing process but you know nobody's perfect, so uh, there's always that risk versus well, somebody who's already within the organization. And a huge plus to that is that person who's within the organization, an internal candidate, already knows the culture, already knows a lot of the processes. So the ramp up time mm -hmm. is that much smaller, right? So there are many things which make that very attractive. Uh, continuing, uh, do, do you want me to like pop another question, or do you want to? Um... No, if you have questions, let's do it. Okay. So now the question is that uh, what is the difference in pay, pay scale range from somebody who's fresh coming into this or from somebody who is like an IT development and then trying to transition into an IT audit role? And I know the answer is it depends, but still, <laughs> if you can. So um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and then Alison and Priyanka, please feel free to chime in. But um, the pay scale for from an entry level position to the head of audit, if you want, or, you know, senior position, um, there, there's quite a large variance in that. Um, in terms of entry level, um, it can be anywhere and depending and, and it really depends on location because Places like New York and San Francisco, your salaries can be almost 30, 40% higher than other places, right? So that, that's a pretty significant variance. 
but um, entry level um, IT auditors or you know auditors, it at least from what I've seen, uh, it varies. I've seen that it varies between about um, 50, 55 to about 75, 80 would be for an entry level, depending on which company you're going to, which company you are in, you know, where the job is, and then the location, et cetera, et cetera. And also what your qualifications are, you know, are you coming in as a fresh off, you know, fresh from college with no experience, or you have some experience that can transfer in, uh, you know, do you have some transferable skills? So a lot of that things goes, you know, goes into what your initial salary would be. And then it can go all the way up to, I mean, if you have a few years of experience, um, it varies between 100K to about roughly about 200K. Uh, you know, so it, it's quite a widespread. So I know it probably is, doesn't help too much, but um, I think with a few years of experience with uh, the proper uh, certifications and experience, uh, 100K salary is not out of, um, out of the bounds. Alyssa and Priyanka. Do you want to chime in? OK, I think the question is that the range from uh, somebody who's like fresh moving in to mm -hmm. uh, an IT development person moving in, is that like a difference in that range? I think that is what the question is. Yes, there, there's I, bound to be. Sorry, Priyanka, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm again, I, I just want to put the disclaimer. I'm not talking with respect to Verizon specifically, but what I've seen across the board, right? Um, you know, is that there are certain computations that are taken, uh, you know, certain inputs that are taken into the com computation of an offer, right? So your total years of experience, your years of experience directly re related to the uh, position that you, you know, that you're getting an offer for, uh, what your education is. So, you know, do you have an advanced degree in your field? Uh, what, what certifications do you have? And, and, you know, irrespective of, you know, uh, the, you might not have an IT audit specific uh, certification, but something that is even you know even slightly relevant uh, to the profession does go into that computation. So there's 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 a lot of factors, you know. So so definitely like overall years of experience does does figure in that um, in that analysis. Okay, and uh, take it away from here, uh, Anita. Okay. Well, I'll um, I'll just quickly talk about this, but then I, I think I would like Alyssa and, and uh, Priyanka to talk about this. But generally, there are two career paths that we see for people who want to get into the audit space slash IT audit space, and they generally run in parallel. And you can see that it's either you have an in-house internal audit or team or organization that you can uh, join and be part of. Uh, or you can look for a big four accounting firm that you want to join and gain that experience. And uh, they, they both offer a very similar career trajectory. As you can see, the, you know, the levels and the hierarchies are, are pretty similar. Uh, the, the difference, uh, primary difference is that in the big four accounting firms, you are more likely to get exposed to a wider variety of uh, industry and uh, setups and technologies than you would in-house because in-house, you know, it is whatever your organization is using or whatever it has in place and the processes. Uh, on the flip side, though, it is much easier, um, relatively speaking, it's much easier to actually get or try to get into an in-house internal, you know, audit job as opposed to trying to get a job in the big four. 
um, because obviously, as you can understand, there, there's a lot more you know people applying for those kind of jobs. And here, being in-house, you tend to have a little bit of an advantage, right? Because you're already there at the company. Uh, at least that's my high-level take on it. Alyssa, Priyanka, if you want to talk about a little bit more on this. Um, Alyssa, why don't I ask you? Because you know you you've seen it on both ends more more recently than me, right? Public accounting and internal audit. Um, why don't you give us your take? Sure. So I think um, when you're in the more public accounting, you know, you're you're working on different clients. So every week might be a different, you know, you might be going to different clients on a weekly basis, some of them that are longer. So you have exposure to a wide variety of different industries because, you know, you're going to your clients. So it's not like your own business where in-house you're kind of, you have to learn, you know, the process, the different business groups that are within your own organization, but you're, for the most part, you know, you're working from your own office. Um, you don't have to travel to your different clients and you're more focused on the different like processes and systems that your company is using versus in public accounting, it's exposure to whatever your client is using their processes. So you can go from a manufacturing client to a real estate client um, to a non-for-profit organization. So your area of um, expertise would be a lot more um, difficult to obtain in that sense because you're seeing different clients and in different industries where in-house, um, I think it's a little bit more direct where, you know, you know what your business does. It's, it's getting into the nitty gritty of the different processes, the different business groups, the different organizations within your own overall company. Thank you so much. And uh, now I'd like to uh, bring up a point which is like the human element, what it is like. Uh, um, I mean, I, I want everybody to chime in. And uh, as we talk about like, what are the success, what does success look like, right? And what are the attributes of a successful IT auditor? Um, so Nita, if you can start. Sure. So this is basically, um, I tried to put together uh, with, you know, with everyone else. Uh, when, I, when I'm looking to hire an auditor, and, and more specifically an IT auditor, because that's what I was focused on, uh, what are some of the things that I look for? And, uh, and then do they demonstrate these attributes or these behaviors or characteristics either through, you know, in their, uh, in their interviews or through their resume, these are some of the things that uh, you know I look for, and I think these uh, kind of are, are attributes that pretty much apply to any auditor. I would say again, it's not specific to an IT auditor, probably with the exception of the technology aspect of it. Uh, but I think even other auditors are now having to at least become conversant with technology at, at a concept level or fundamentals level. Uh, so. Uh, these are some of the things that I would say that uh, we would look for um, in, in an auditor. And uh, the way this is arranged, it's more of, you know, as you go down the list, these are some of the things that are required as you go up the management hierarchy from an auditor space. So for example, um, as, as an entry level auditor, an associate or, or an IT auditor at the junior level, uh, you don't necessarily need to understand the legal ramifications, for example, right? Or, um, you know, have as much of a need for business acumen or emotional intelligence. Those, those are always good things to have at any level. But um, those are more things which become more important or more relevant um, at, at a more senior position within the audit space. 
Um, the one thing I will, I will, and I cannot, um, you know, stress this strongly enough is you need to understand if you are looking to get into this job, you need to understand that auditing is requires a very different mindset, right? It is not a job that is for everyone. And you have to know and understand what the job entails, what is required, um, how you would work and be very sure that it is something that you want to get into. Right? Because the last thing you want to do is get what you want and then find out that, you know, you're either not good at it because, you know, some of the attributes required are not your strong points or while you might be able to do it, it's not something you enjoy doing because both of those things um, you know, do not end up with very good you know, results. The outcomes are not nice. So know yourself, be honest with yourself about what you like and don't like and be very show that you understand, speak to people, understand what is required from the job and is that something that you are, want to do, are good at it and you know, are you willing to put in the hours and the effort and the time to do it? And, and that's, that's the one thing that I would say that you know, it becomes very, very important that you know, if you're not interested in learning lifelong, audit is not for you, right? Because especially in an IT audit role, technology is changing so rapidly. You have to constantly be on your toes and you have to learn, right? If you don't like learning, if you don't envision a life where you are constantly having to keep up with what's new, what's coming, how does it affect the industry, uh, then probably this is going to be a tough field for you to be in. Uh, and, you know, you should probably kind of evaluate if this is really where you want to be and maybe there's something else. Maybe there are other other places in information security that might be more relevant. But, um, you know, but this is something that I, I, I can't stress strongly enough. Um, Alyssa, Priyanka, and Lo for your take on that. Um, I would, I'll, I'll uh, chime in by saying this, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to go into the emotional intelligence piece of it. So, you know, being empathetic, uh, you know, in a 360 degree capacity is very important because, uh, you know, whether it be to the folks who report to you, the, your clients, your colleagues, uh, and by clients, I mean, is the stakeholder, the folks that you're auditing, your directors, your leaders, right? Um, you know, there are some very objective criteria, like, you know, you have to be super organized, you know, the whole idea of attention to detail, focus, being organized, deadline driven, timeline driven. However, like making sure that you're also empathetic to the circumstances that you're dealing with. Like I'll give a very practical example, right? COVID-19. So a lot of, um, you know, a lot of parts of the business are impacted significantly by COVID-19. Um, so, you know, what does that mean? Like, you know, if, if you have a deadline for your audit, but the business is rapidly trying to make a change to adjust in the COVID-19 environment, um, you know, if you're being a stickler to your deadline, you know, you've got to be cognizant of what you come across as, you know, to your, to your stakeholders. Um, and and also, you know, it's it, it, it's important that you know once you've done, you know, you've 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 completed an audit, you've you've never really moved on. So just keep that in mind because 
there could be issues that have to be addressed by the stakeholders, by the clients. You know, they might have to do some remediation work. So, you know, you, you, you want to make sure you're available to answer questions, you know. So say, for example, you issue an audit report, um, you know, end of March, and there are some issues that have to be remediated by end of August, right? Um, it, it, you know, don't think of it as you're, you're throwing it over the wall and then you're walking away. It's very important that you, you, you know, check in like before the month of August to see, you know, how remediation efforts are going. You know, you come across somebody who can be approached to answer questions. So, yeah, that's, that's, I, you know, I, I just thought that the emotional intelligence thing is, is, is really important uh, for this position. I'll, I'll touch briefly on, and uh, Alyssa, if you can speak also to the legal ramifications, because I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you go into audit, uh, especially in the financial uh, space, right, uh, oftentimes, and depending on, you know, um, if, if things can go horribly wrong for an organization, sometimes auditors and the results of audits and the audit reports can become, you know, evidence in litigation, for example, right? And uh, having an understanding of, you know, when, when you put something out in a document uh, that, you know, it's not just, it, it's not something where you can just say, well, you know, I thought X and, you know, I thought it wouldn't harm to put Y in there as well. Um, so if you can talk about some of that stuff, I think that would be helpful for people to understand. Sure. So at the end of the day, when you're, you know, issuing the audit report, your name is going to be attached to that. And you're really saying, um, yes, we did our due diligence. We tested everything that we could. We've identified the issues here. Um, and you're attesting to that information in a sense of, you know, I did my part. I've checked to make sure all the boxes are, are clear. They have the proper controls in place. Um, from the legal standpoint, especially, you know, on a financial situation where, you know, even from an IT side with the systems that are involved in the process, um, say we're overcharging someone or undercharging someone or we're not paying the proper tax on something. All those things have legal ramifications because we have to ab abide by the laws and regulations that are set forth by the state, the county, et cetera, whatever the jurisdiction is. So when we're saying, you know, yes, we've checked everything and, and everything is, is good, here's what we have as the issues that need to be remediated, we're really saying that, you know, yes, everything is in place in the proper way. So when your name is attached to that at the end of the day, you know, it could fall back on you. Um, and I've seen situations where things like this have happened and, you know, partners in accounting firms have to go to court and, you know, attest that, yes, we checked this and at the time that we checked it, it was, you know, everything was functioning properly with the exception of X, Y, Z that we had them, you know, had put forth a plan to remediate. So it really does come back on, you know, making sure that you're doing your due diligence from the audit standpoint, because your name is going to be attached to whatever report you're issuing. So you want to make sure that you have all your bases covered, understand the laws and, and regulations that are in place for the jurisdiction that you're working with or working on. Thanks, Alyssa. And I think I'll, I'll add to that, uh, the ability to grasp the big picture, uh, understanding you know, how audits uh, can affect the business directly, right? So I'll take the example of the two big ones that we most publicly traded companies have, which is the PCI and the Sarbanes-Oxley or the SOX audit as it's called. 
And a, a lot of people, even within the company who are engaged in, you know, the day-to-day, -day, the nitty-gritties or the tactical aspects of responding to those audits, a lot of people don't understand the ramifications that if, if the company that's doing that audit, the external auditors are not able to provide uh, the reports in a timely manner, uh, that there are ramifications to the business that, you know, if you are, if you are not compliant with PCI, you run the risk of not being able to accept payments, right, which has a direct impact to your bottom line. If you are a publicly traded company and the, and the firm that's doing your Sarbanes-Oxley audit is not able to issue the 10K filing, then, you know, you're, you're not able to do your SEC filing. Your company, your, your, your CEO and CFO sign off based on those reports they're not going to be able to sign off or if they do, you know, they, they cannot, but you know, they, they run the risk of um, not being able to file taxes for your organization. So there are ramifications to the business uh, depending on, you know, how audits are conducted and, and the, you know, uh, the timeliness of the audit and the, and the findings in those audits. So uh, all of these things, it's important to understand how audit fits into the overall picture of uh, the audit and uh, you know of the organization and the business and how it can affect the business, and that becomes an important discussion or point of uh, making sure that people understand the gravity of what it, what it entails and understand the seriousness of you know if and when there are any issues or gaps identified that they remediate those and why it's important to do that. And that communication becomes important because. Uh, you will often find yourself, you know, having potentially awkward conversations or, you know, dealing with people who become very defensive because, you know, you're, you're, you're essentially telling them that you found something wrong with, you know, what they're doing or how they're doing it. And it, it takes a lot of emotional intelligence and empathy, which, you know, what Priyanka talked about is to make them understand that, you know, if whatever you are doing is, you know, is helping them. Uh, make things better for themselves and for the organization. So um, those are some of the key things that, you know, other than the actual doing the audit part, uh, these are some of the things that an auditor has to deal with and has to know and understand. Uh, and that becomes very important. Thanks. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I would uh, tell anybody who's trying to transition or uh, into an IT audit career or trying to become an IT auditor is that if you like to be popular and if you like to be liked by others and stuff, then this is probably not the path you should go down um, because uh, it's not going to happen. But at the same time, you have to have good people skills. And uh, when you say something, it's how you say it that is important because uh, you need to be able to have that kind of uh, uh, collaboration like and um, I mean, you, you, you can like, you know, while being honest, you have to um, reduce the, um, like uh, reduce, like, uh, you know, means because we are all humans, right? So, I mean, yeah, I can say something in a very, very sharp and appointed way, but it should not come as, you know, you're trying to be like brash and uh, uh, this thing. So, so, so be, be careful because this, whoever you are delivering your message to has been also like, uh, working and is uh, putting in a good effort, but at the same time, uh, explain to them in a way that uh, doesn't uh, cause like more problems for everybody else on the team when you say something. So, 
And uh, before we go to the tips uh, that uh, all of us have for um, somebody who is trying to join this career, uh, IT audit career, or um, there is a question which says, uh, so what does, like, do we have to be like behind a desk all the time or do you have to meet people? And um, so if, if you can like just explain uh, that a little bit. Um, I, I can take that one. Uh, so uh, I would say definitely not behind the desk, you know. Uh, I, you know, the more interactive you are, you know, through meetings, through even in-person meetings. So again, depends on where your stakeholder is and, and whether you have the capacity to meet them face-to-face. -face. I highly encourage my team to go, uh, you know, book a conference room, meet these people in person. If they are remote with respect to you, if they're located in a different office location, uh, depending on the proximity, you know, if it's in the same state, take the, you know, take the effort out to drive down to the other office. If it's not feasible to travel, um, you know, if it's out of state, you know, set up like, you know, meetings, uh, encourage video calls. Um, I, uh, it, it's important to get email communication out to make it objective, you know, say, say you, you know, especially in the initial phases of an audit when you have requests, it's very, very important to get it in writing and make it very clear. But along with that, have another method of communication, you know, set up a meeting after you send out the request list set up a meeting with your client to kind of discuss each item and ask them if they, if they need any clarification, whether they have any questions. So, um, you know, it, this, this job does require a lot of energy in, in terms of, you know, the different methods of communication. Um, you, you know, you've got to be very clear, but you've got to also be very uh, empathetic. So, um, you, you know, it, it's, it, I would say the people skill aspect is, you know, does come into play very, very strongly. In in an uh, in a audit role. Okay, thank you so much. And now we'll move on to the tips for newcomers or uh, people who are trying to transition. And uh, I will start with uh, Alyssa. So Alyssa, what do you what do you have? Sure. So um, I think the first part that here we have touched on is learn about audit. Um, would be very beneficial just to understand kind of where you're, you know, what you're going to get yourself into if you're looking to make the transition. Learn about the different phases of an audit or how the process actually works, um, whether that be IT specific or just overall audit. Um, you know, some people are sitting on the other side of audit usually, um, just, you know, getting requests, not really understanding the full process and the big picture of what an audit actually looks like. So I think that's something that before you even consider, you know, applying for a job is just learn what it actually is to be doing an audit because maybe it's not, maybe you don't know what it actually means and, and what you think it is, is not how it actually is in practice. So just becoming familiar with that process overall, I think would be a good start for someone um, before even, and then, you know, if you do find that audit would be something beneficial that you would enjoy then, you know, if you want to focus on the IT part, get more familiar with the concepts and the technology trends and what the difference is between a financial operational audit versus an IT audit, um, just to see, you know, if that's where you would want to take your career and the way you want to move um, your career forward. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Priyanka? So, um, you know, if newcomers, you know, especially be a sponge, you know, come in there, 
uh, with the idea that you're going to learn. You're going to learn about the organization. You're going to learn about the audit profession, right? And you're also going to learn about the technology. So it's 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 like a triple whammy. Think of it that way, right? You you, you know you, you you've got to be invested in 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 different aspects of it. You know the company that you're auditing, the the processes, the systems, and and you know. Um, as 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 well as you know, looking what at at the audit methodology, you know, to to that's applicable in that situation. So, yeah. Um. Sure. Thank you. And uh, Nita, if you can. Uh, sure, I would that. say. I mean, um, you know, getting certified is is very beneficial, uh, especially if you're trying to break into the field. You may not have the experience. But at least studying for the exams, the course itself uh, kind of helps you understand and learn about the audit space, about the terminology, the you know the, the common it kind of gives you a common base to have a conversation about it. Um, definitely would look at joining some of the um, relevant organizations uh, because they have many events that you can participate in to learn more, uh, to network with people. Uh, network over LinkedIn, uh, reach out to people, you know, who have the jobs that you want, right? And and I have found that in, I would say, 99% of the cases or even more, uh, people are very helpful. People are willing to take time to help you. They will, you know, guide you. They may not be able to become your mentor or sponsor, so to speak, but if you're looking for help or guidance, um, I have never had anybody turn me down whether within the organization that I work in or over LinkedIn, uh, I've always found people to be very helpful. So I, I would definitely say, you know, obviously be respectful of their time and, and uh, you know, but uh, be prepared in, you know, making sure that you know what, what questions to ask. But uh, definitely network, um, join the organizations. There are industry events. Uh, you don't have to travel every, almost any big city, uh, most locations have local events that are relevant to, you know, governance, compliance, audit. Um, join those events, attend those events. They're usually a day or so, so you don't have to go to, like, the, the, the big uh, conferences, which are also very costly. But uh, there are a lot of local events that you can go and uh, learn about the industry, learn about what's happening. Um, start uh, getting to learn about what's happening, you know, in the news, right, what's happening in the audit space. Because that's, again, something that, you know, when we interview people, we tend to understand, like, you know, is this person truly interested in this space and this job? And one of the ways to do it is to understand, you know, are you keeping up with what is happening, right? Because if somebody doesn't have any interest in that, that usually tells us that, you know, maybe they haven't truly considered this is something that they want to be in. So um, also, you don't all, you know, it's the big four are the big four, right? But it's not like there aren't low audit jobs outside of those big four. Almost, again, almost any major city has um, local audit firms uh, and uh, they do a lot of work, um, right? Uh, in fact, the bulk of the work is actually done by them locally, especially, especially for the small and medium businesses that still have to comply with the same regulations. So um, be open to where and what you're looking for in terms of a job and you also have to be realistic and i think this is again another point that i would really stress on is if you are looking to do a career transition if you're trying to move from one career to another career uh, you're not always it's not always going to be a, a step up right 
in many cases it may not even be a lateral move because you have to understand that you know if you have no experience you kind of have to take your mindset and understand that you might be starting at the bottom of the rung on that particular area so you might have 10 years of experience in some field but if you've never had any experience in either technology or in audit and you want to get into that field you might have to set your sights a little lower as to the kind of jobs that you're applying for and it's a matter of getting your foot in the door and once you have the job you can demonstrate you know through your uh, your you know how you can transfer your skills or experience into that and then move up but if you're thinking that you know because i am um, you know i have 10 years of experience so i should move into a job which is equivalent to a 10 years experience in the audit space that's not going to happen right so you have to be realistic about when your job hunt and um, don't go by titles that's something else i i, I want to make sure people understand sorry understand is that people sometimes put too much stress on this is the title of the job that i want right instead look for what in the job description what the job actually entails and in the interviews when you are asked do you have any questions ask questions which help you understand what the scope what the role and the responsibilities are so that you know you can understand if that's a good fit for you or if that's something you want to do right uh, also make sure you understand which industry are there are there particular industries you want to target like for example you want an audit job in banks or financial services sector you want an audit job in uh, in healthcare uh, then those might be you know you also have to then understand and keep up with industry news right if you want to get into audit and healthcare uh, knowing hipaa would probably be a good idea or being more familiar with hipaa would probably be a good idea right and knowing what's happening in that industry so um on the flip side don't look for an absolute fit right that if i don't check off every single requirement that's in the job description that i'm not going to apply for it um very rarely does it happen uh, you know and i think we can all attest to it even with our years of experience and our certifications that if we ever look at a job it's very rarely that we find that we tick all the boxes on every single job that's out there if you're interested in one so um keep that in mind and, and focus on what are your strengths what is it that you want to do and you know does the job align with where you want to go and what you want to do and you know get there thank you so much um and uh, with this we are going to i'll check if there is any other questions coming up or not otherwise uh okay so anshu tomar is uh, saying that i don't hold any tech background how should i uh, start and uh, uh, and that uh, she is having some life science degree and gxp auditing experience so um this is very specific to her but uh, could be like relevant to anybody else who has like similar pharma um specific this gxp is like a pharma auditing experience and to transition into a, a role with uh, it audit so i mean and we've gone through a lot of questions but um if you can like briefly touch up on that very specific because it's a very specific question from her so so i would say that most um, uh, you know i would look at online classes or you know if there are some universities uh, local to where uh, 
Anshu is, uh, look for um, classes that make somebody familiar with uh, technology concepts, fundamentals of computer science. Most universities, especially online, there are like literally millions of uh, resources available that can help somebody become familiar with like a CS 101, like computer science 101 classes, right? Or a, a mini class in, uh, you know, in, in computer science or information technology. Uh, there are classes available through Udemy, Udacity, Khan Academy. Uh, I mean, there, there are literally no dearth of information technology resources that are available that can help somebody uh, become familiar with basic technology concepts and fundamentals. Uh, you can also look for uh, CompTIA's, um, you know, A-plus certification, Network-plus certifications, and those are good entry-level certifications for people who want to become familiar with uh, information technology. Those are great certifications to have. And uh, if I were looking at a resume of somebody who did not have uh, like a technical background in the sense that they didn't have a technical degree, but if I saw that they had successfully passed an A-plus or a Network-plus uh, certification, that would go a long way and for me to say, you know, that's fine if they have these certifications, that's sufficient for me to, you know, move, at least look for other things on that resume beyond that. Sure. And Priyanka, do you want to add anything? Uh, I, I was just going to say if, if uh, you know, Anshu wants to reach out uh, directly to me, I'd be happy to talk to her, you know, so she can hit me up on LinkedIn. I can, you know, I can have a quick conversation with her specific to her circumstances. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because uh, this is this is the reason why we are having it, having these kind of conversations. Because uh, I know you guys are really busy with your work and your life and everything, and now taking time off to pay it forward to people who are, who want to understand and who want to know what to do, uh, is 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 really good. So so this is this is the idea, right? Like going forward, also uh, these are the kind of conversations we will continue to have. Uh, so thank you so much today for joining us and taking so much time even to prepare for this. And then again, uh, just the sheer fact that all of us are together on this uh, hour long call. And uh, thanks so much. And I really appreciate you. Uh, and from everybody else who's on the viewing on our uh, YouTube channel, as well as people who are sending me messages from uh, the different uh, other uh, sources. Uh, thanks so much for everyone, from everyone to you. And uh, thank you. You're very welcome. And thanks thank for all you. Thank you, for Thank you so much. You're thank welcome. You for the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye.